0: Well, good morning, Red Hills Church. Thank you guys so much for coming out today and joining us on this December 4th where it is literally snowing outside. I love Oregon personally, and I love the fact that December started itself with a bang. So welcome to church today. My name is Brett Kinberg. I am the Connections Pastor here at Red Hills Church. And if I haven't met you yet, I would love to do so. After the gathering, I'll, I'll be out in the, in the lobby. But one of the things that I do here as the Connections pastor, is I get to oversee a few things, um, one of those including our Next Steps class. Our Next Steps class is a way for you to get involved here at Red Hills Church. If you, if you have not joined our community, our family of, of volunteers we call our dream team, we would love to give you the opportunity to do that. Next Steps is really a way for you to get to know Red Hills Church a little bit better and for us to get to know you a little better and invite you to be a part of that team. So if you'd like to get to know Red Hills Church, please go into our fireside room. Um, Kate Swanson is going to be leading that class today, so um, it's going to be a blast in there. I hope you join us for that. I also get to oversee um, here on campus our groups, our small groups. One of the things that we believe at Red Hills Church is the way we mature and grow in our faith is when we get connected in a community where people know our name and we can sharpen one another. As Paul would say, iron sharpens iron, and that's what we do in our small groups. So I hope that you will join a group. They will be launching in February. Um, Our sign-ups will start in January, which means I'm looking for anybody who would like to host a group. You can email me at brett at Church, um, or you can talk to me afterwards. I'd love to get your name, figure out what you want to teach or what you want to host in your group, and get you in there as a leader. Well, as we begin today, as we continue in our series on Advent, I started, I started doing some studying and I started digging into the origins of Advent. And I discovered something really interesting, or at least I thought it was interesting. If you, if you like history, you might find this interesting. Advent itself, the term, was not originally used by the church. Advent was actually a term created by Rome. And it was to express the fact that their Lord or their God Caesar was coming to visit a city, visit a town. And so this term, which which is, you know, I mean, was created for unholy means has been redeemed. I love how I love how God can do this. He can redeem anything, right? So God redeems this term of Advent, and now the church has used it for years to establish the fact that our God made himself a man and lived among us. So rather than a man who called himself a God, our God made himself a man. He lived among us and he brought hope. He brought peace. He brought joy and he brought love. I just thought that was a really cool point. I, it has nothing to do with where I'm at right now um, in, in the message of peace, but I just thought it was really cool. I hope you did too. So as as we get going in our series on hope, um, this this term hope, or, or sorry, this term peace. Uh, peace be with you. The, the, the term in the Greek is irene. And this term in the Greek is used 92 times in 85 verses in the New Testament alone. But irene is just the Greek form of this. The Hebrew form of this, shalom, where, where the idea of peace comes from, is riddled throughout The Old Testament. I'm sorry, I don't have the the numbers and the stats like I just gave you for the New Testament, but it's there. And and this this is this is where we get the term peace from. It was a holistic term that they would greet one another and they would say, Peace be with you. This idea of peace was not just, I hope you're doing well, but literally, God's peace be with you. May He show you favor in everything you do, in your body, in your mind, in your soul. And in everything that you have, would God show his peace and his favor on your life? This term is very holistic, so I'm glad that I get to be teaching on this term today. To, to, to dig a little deeper into it, I would like to open up our Bibles. If you'd like to follow along with me today, we're going to be reading out of Luke's Gospel. Uh, we're going to be in the 24th chapter, and we're going to start reading in the 36th verse. If you're here in the room and you're following along, you can do that on your Bible app. You can also go through the Church Center app. Um, You can go and find and take notes there. Also, if you're watching online, I hope that you take the opportunity to keep all of your notes organized the way I do, online, not in paper, because for me, I I have some organizational issues. Sometimes I lose stuff. Um, So fortunately, somebody else keeps all of these in one place for me, and I can go back and find them anytime I need them. Well, let's begin reading this morning the word of God in verse 36. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. And they were startled and they were frightened, thinking that they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me. And see, a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe, because of joy and amazement, they, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and he ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you, everything must be fulfilled that was written about me in the law of Moses, in the prophets, and in the Psalms. Then he opened up their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. It's good stuff. Let's pray before we dig in to these scriptures. Father, thank you so much that that same power that Jesus talked about, that, that the Holy Spirit is here in the midst of this gathering. God, we thank you that this morning as we open up your scriptures, as we begin to gain understanding of your word, would, would you, Holy Spirit, make it come alive on the inside of us? Would your words light like a fire in our hearts that we would be able to understand how much you love us and the peace that you have made available to us through the blood of Jesus? God, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as, as we come to our story here, we see that Jesus has has appeared out of nowhere in fact in one of the translations it says that they were all in a room and they had locked the door they had a couple friends who were walking down a road and they experienced a visitation by someone they said was Jesus and so they go into this room and they know that there's people out there looking to do them harm and so they go into this room they begin talking about this and they're like hey somebody locked the door just in case somebody overhears our conversation so they've got the door locked, and they're talking about this visitation that Jesus just had with them. And then all of a sudden, Jesus himself is standing there in the midst of them, and they freak out. This, this, this term freak out, very technical term. Um, they are losing their minds like, what just happened? Is there a ghost in the room with us? And he says, no, 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 guys, calm down, calm down. It is me myself. Look, I, I, I have flesh and I have bones. I, a, a ghost does not look like this. In fact, they were so um, excited that he was there, they still didn't quite believe it. So he said, okay, give me something to eat. I'm hungry. Ghosts don't get hungry. So give me some fish or give me some food. And they gave him some fish. Finally, he began to calm their nerves a little bit. But the term that he used when he first walked into the room was peace be with you. And, and they, uh, scholars believe that he used the original word of shalom. He would have greeted them with the original uh, greeting to the Jews and, and to Israel that they would that they would use in such common language. And he said, Shalom, peace be with you. And in that moment, I, I, I can imagine their, their their shock and amazement might have taken them back to another story. You see, this word shalom, it has such such rich roots in the Hebrew culture. But but I, I, as I was studying out this word peace, I came across a commentary, and they used a passage that I would like to read word for word for you because it paints such this great word picture. To use an impressive figure of scripture, in Isaiah 5720, the unsanctified heart resembles the troubled sea. In constant uproar and agitation, dark, muddy, and tempestuous, But the storm subsides, for a voice of power has cried, peace, be still. And there is a great calm. The lowering clouds are dispelled, and the azure sky smiles on its own reflection in the bosom of the quiet and glassy deep. The favor of God and the felt enjoyment of it. The apostle, referring to Peter here, wishes to the recipients of this letter. That is such a great such a great word picture of this term peace. And you, and, and you may be saying, okay, I, I, I understand we're, we're talking about peace today. Yes, you've said it quite a few times. This word peace means more than just the quieting of our minds and our spirits. but typically in in Jewish culture, when they said peace, they meant let everything be well with you. And as as the disciples are sitting in this, room and Jesus says, peace be with them, their minds may have gone back to an experience that they had with Jesus. And I read this story just the other day out of my son's storybook Bible. I was reading to him and, and I love the, the wording that it used. It's something along the lines of Jesus and all of his buddies, they were, they, they were setting out on to the lake. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. And they were happy to do it. It was a beautiful evening. And the sun was setting. The the lake was clear and calm. And they were excited to go where their master had called them. As they get into the boat, Jesus, who had been teaching for multiple days, was tired. And that is an understatement. I can tell you, knowing from teaching experience, that a few days of teaching would sap your strength more than a, a marathon or an ultra marathon. I don't know if you know what that is. But Jesus is extremely tired. And he lays down in the boat. The moment his head hits the pillow, boom, he's asleep. And so Jesus is asleep. His disciples are happy. Their their master is with them. And they're sailing across this lake. And as evening settles in and they're enjoying the starry night, all of a sudden the stars begin to disappear. And a storm comes in suddenly. And the peace that they would have described disappears as the wind and the waves begin to crash over the sides of the boat. And after they've done everything they know to do, after hoisting the sails and throwing out anchors and doing everything they know to do, they realize that the the situation, the circumstances that they're dealing with right now are far beyond their control and their ability to fix. So they go down and they wake Jesus up. Hey, Jesus don't you care if we're drowning and Jesus getting up rubbing a little sleep out of his eyes um, goes and looks at the storm and he says peace be still in in some versions of this he literally just goes shh enough and the wind and the waves immediately cease and again they're freaking out technical term Um, and and As 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 they're going, oh my gosh, who is this? That even the wind and the waves obey his voice. You see, the wind and the waves, they knew who Jesus was. They heard his voice in the very beginning when the world was formed. So when Jesus stood up and said, peace be still, they listened. And Jesus, standing in the boat, said, didn't you recognize who was with you? I, I am with you. It's going to be okay. No matter what the situation looks like, the storm can't take you down because I'm with you. And the disciples must have been thinking back to this or could have been thinking back to this as they're standing in this room and Jesus appears. In fact, their peace that they knew, their Lord, their master, had been crucified just days earlier. He had been laid in a grave and their great peace that had calmed storms in their life was now dead and so when he reappears in the room their idea of peace be with you was Jesus is here we're excited so excited that we can hardly believe it and so Jesus as he calms them down a little bit okay guys yes I'm here it's okay it's going to be okay But as Jesus is speaking to them, all of their cares about who were trying to hurt them and harm them, the reason they locked the doors in the first place, all of the cares about what was raging in the world around them in the chaotic culture, all of that went quiet because Jesus was there. That's peace. That's the peace of God. And so Jesus begins to talk to them and he says, This is what I told you when I was with you, that all of the things written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms, all of these things had to be fulfilled. And and, and I think it's very very important that we look at the, the, the culture that would surround these three terms that Jesus uses. As students of the word, we need to understand exactly what Jesus is talking about because when, when he's looking at peace, he's looking at more than just a feeling. He's looking at the chaos of this world rendered completely still. Inert. It has no power to affect you. And so he says, all of these things that were written about me need to be fulfilled. So let's, let's look at the law of Moses. The law of Moses. When, when all of the children of Israel, they come out of Egypt, and they go into the desert, they're being led by God. And God says, you are my chosen people. I love you, and because of that, I don't want there to be separation between us. God is able to talk to Moses, and he's able to speak to Moses, but the people are staying really far away from God because they, they understand that there's things in their life that have separated them from their father, and because of that, they can't be in his presence. And so God says, I'm going to give you the law so that you can be at peace with me again. And all of this sin that separates you from my presence, I want to be able to cover over that so that you can once again be my children. See, in the very beginning when God created man, he didn't create man to be this far off person that hears the echoing voice of God. He intended man to walk with God in the still and in the cool of the day. And they had been been separated from that. And so as Jesus writes his law, he shows them how to sacrifice, and he shows them how to atone for their sins, to cover over their sins. And this law was fulfilled through Jesus when he died on the cross and was the perfect sacrifice. But he didn't just stop with the law of Moses. He said the law of the prophets. So let's look at what the prophets said. The prophets were the ones who God would send to his people that even as they were walking according to the law of Moses, their hearts would turn away from God. They would forget the practices that allowed them to be close to their father. And because God wanted relationship with them, he would send these these prophets, these voices of people crying out, saying, turn your hearts back to God. And one of these prophets, Jeremiah, He began writing and saying, you know what? God wants us not only to turn our hearts back to him, but guess what? We're going to get taken captive. We're going to be led into this land called Babylon. And, And in this land, I don't want you to just pray for your own prosperity. I want you to pray for the prosperity of the land that you're being taken into. The unfair rulers and the governments that are going to take you captive, I want you to pronounce blessings on them to pray for their prosperity. Why? Because God didn't want his peace to stay with just Israel. He wanted it to begin to overflow its boundaries. And as God's peace began to overflow its borders of Israel, then he references the law of the Psalms. And there's so much in the Psalms that points forward to Jesus. But I'd like to read one scripture, and that scripture is Psalm 67.2. so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. I believe that that word all is, is kind of that capstone that Jesus would put on all of the law being fulfilled because Jesus came, and according to John 3.16, you may have heard the verse before, God, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And in 17 it said, For Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, but that through him all men, not just Israel, all men would be saved. And this is the peace that God wanted to be shed abroad in every person's heart. That's right. That deserves an amen. That's good. The pathway to Shalom was not military conquest as most of Israel thought it would be. In fact, I think this is why so many of the scholars and the, the, the Pharisees, why they missed Jesus was because they thought that he was going to come with the government on his shoulders. That he would remove the unfair and cruel rule of Rome over the Israelite people. But Jesus didn't come. In that time, to remove governments and to remove unfair rulers and atrocities that were happening. In fact, after the angels cried, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Shortly after that, Herod started killing babies. And atrocities were happening. And and, and so they were confused. They said, wait, God, you were supposed to come and deliver us from all of this. You were supposed to come and free us from the oppression of Rome. And when Jesus was walking among them, he began to say, I'm forgiving people of their sins. And rather than them seeing this as God's hand at work, they said, wait, you mean you're not kicking Rome out? You're not doing anything about the situation that we find ourselves in? And Jesus said, I came that they might have peace. They might have life and that more abundantly. And so as Jesus comes into the world, his idea of defeating evil of the world was suffering on a cross and laying death itself in the grave. Now death and sin had no more power to control and separate his people from him. What does that mean? That means now we we go in with guerrilla warfare, right? We go in behind the lines and we start saving the hearts of men. And so we're not overthrowing governments. What we're doing is we're overthrowing oppression itself in the life of every person on this planet if they choose to accept it. And so Jesus came and Jesus sets free humanity in such a profound way that now peace can enter into the world. It can truly enter in in the midst of chaos And in the midst of a situation that we can't control, peace comes in. And this is why he opened up their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. Because next he said this. He said, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and raise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And I'm going to send you what my father promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. I think it's important that we look at the fact that he told them to stay in the place of chaos. To stay in the place of oppression so that he could send his Holy Spirit, the thing that God promised to his disciples. Why? So that they could no longer have to worry about what was happening around them. They didn't have to worry about the storms anymore. Why? Because the God who speaks to the storms now lives on the inside of me. This is the true power from on high that God sends to his people. Ah, it's so good. As I was studying out this idea of peace and and, and really establishing God's peace on this earth, I came across a guy named J.B. Phillips. You may not... Know who he is. He was an author. Uh, He was a, a, um, a Cambridge scholar. So he was from London, Britain, in that area. And when he came to Cambridge, he was actually an atheist. Walked into Cambridge and did not believe that there could be a God who would allow his parents to be taken from him at a very young age in a very tragic way. And so he walked in and said, I don't believe that there's a good God out there. He walked onto the the campus of Cambridge, and he became uh, friends with a guy named C.S. Lewis. You might know his name. Um, and uh, and and Phillips began to develop a relationship with C.S. Lewis, and eventually gave his life to Christ because of the example of C.S. Lewis. And and Phillips then became a pastor after graduating from Cambridge University. And he, as he was pastoring his church, World War II broke out. And, and Phillips began to pastor his people through the raids, the air raids that the Germans sent into Britain and the bombings that would happen. He was pastoring a church in the bomb shelters of Britain. And at the end of his messages, he would, he would speak to his youth. And to his youth, he, 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 would, he would end his days with, with the reading of Scripture. And what they had at the time was the King James Version, the authorized version of the Bible. Right. And all of the Shakespearean language began to cause his youth to look at him with just a quizzical look of like, what are you trying to say? I don't understand this. And so Phillips began to translate the book of Colossians into a modern vernacular so that the people, his youth in particular, could understand what God was trying to teach them and tell them. And J.B. Phillips, as he's translating this, and as he's holding church services in bomb shelters and presiding over sometimes 40 or 50 funerals in one week, he began to call on the goodness of God. In fact, as he finished his translation of Colossians, he sent it to his trusted colleague and friend, C.S. Lewis. He sent his translation of Colossians, and Lewis wrote back, and he said this. He said, This is such an amazing work. In fact, to put it into words, it's as if somebody took a fine piece of art, like a Rembrandt or or a Picasso, one of these beautiful works of art, and it's been aged by time, and, and corrosion has happened, and they took this piece of art and they cleaned it, and they put it back up on display, and now we can see the fine details of what it is. We can see all of the intricacies and what the artist meant when they were painting it. And so when he looks at it, he says, Phillips, you need to continue your work. You need to keep doing this because it's meaningful and it's powerful. And so Phillips went on to translate the entire New Testament into what we now um, w- into what was a forerunner to what we now have as the NIV and the NASB, and a few of the other translations. He was a forerunner to making the word accessible to us. And I think it's a great story about J.B. Phillips and and all of the things that he went through, but the true miracle was not the fact that he translated the word of God in the midst of a war zone with chaos happening all around around him. The true miracle was the fact that he had chaos on the inside as well. J.B. Phillips struggled with what we now know as clinical depression. So much so that he would eventually allow professionals to give him help in this area. He submitted himself to professional psychologists so that they could gain an understanding of the situation that he was in. Philip said that he believed that science and understanding of the human mind could help his situation. Although he translated the word of God and knew inevitably this is where his peace came from, he continued to allow natural doctors to help in the situation. But the power of God to do amazing things never ceases to amaze. In fact, Philip's translation of Romans 12, verse 12, I think gives us a really cool picture into the way that Phillips believed and the way he thought. Romans 12, verse 12 in the Phillips translation says, base your happiness on your hope in Christ. And when trials come, endure them patiently, steadfastly. Maintain the habit of prayer. Phillips understood something. In fact, he even said in an interview, that he was glad that he had experienced all of this depression because he understood that the depression didn't have to tell him his outcome. He said, my dependence on my God is so much greater because of this, and for that I am grateful. During a season where uncertainty and chaos can creep in, circumstances beyond our control When we hear of things like RSV, especially as a parent of a young child, when we hear of things like hand, foot, and mouth disease, when we hear of COVID running rampant, when we hear of cold and flu season, when we hear of governmental powers that are doing atrocities in this world, how are we able to have peace in the midst of it? Maintain the habit of prayer. So important. So important. Because our peace, and as I, as I kind of close with this, our peace is not in our circumstance or our surroundings. Our peace isn't even in the people that we surround ourselves with. Our peace is in the blood of Jesus. And what he did for us. In fact, I would like you right now, here in the room, there at home, would you please take out your communion elements? We're not going to open these just quite yet. Because I want to talk about this for just a moment. And if you don't have one of these, you can, you can ask one of our ushers. They'll, they'll get some to you. These communion elements, I feel like in some, ho- in, in some households, in some people's lives, we've lost the significance of what this is. The, the bread that is represented in this cup. Jesus took his disciples into an upper room before he was to be crucified, and he said, this is my body That is being broken for you. He took the bread and what did he do with it? He broke it and he shared it. With all of them. He said in in like fashion, this is my blood as he took the cup and he said, this is this is the the blood of my new covenant being poured out for you. Whenever you do this, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And he said something very important right there. How often you do this, do this in remembrance of me. We are meant to take these elements often. But we're not meant to keep these elements to ourself. Did you know that Jesus came so that all men could experience peace? But we take his peace and we say, this is just for me. And rather than inviting our neighbors in to experience the Lord's Supper and tell them about what he has done in our lives we keep it to ourselves God said I want my peace to be among all men Ah, and I feel like that's so important and it may be something that you miss when you take this this is very personal absolutely but when Jesus took the bread and he broke it he shared it and I think we need to begin doing the same thing If you would, bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to give an opportunity in here. For anybody who has never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you don't even know the peace that is available to you. This peace, which in Philippians says it's able to pass even your own understanding, this peace is available to every person in this room if you would accept Jesus. And accept what he did on the cross. So in this room, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, or maybe at one time you did. And you just feel like you've drifted away from that relationship and peace is nowhere to be found in your mind and in your heart. I want to give you the opportunity to make a fresh declaration over your life. To call Jesus your Savior, but to make him your Lord. The Lord of your life. If you would like to do that in this room, I'd like to just see you raise your hand to know who I'm praying with. If you need to receive Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, whether for the first time or make a fresh dedication of your life, would you please raise your hand? Okay. Okay. Yeah, see that. Thank you. Yeah, I see that. Thank you. I believe that God wants to bring a peace into our lives that we cannot explain. This morning, would you repeat this prayer after me? And, and we're all going to do this together. To ask God for a peace that goes beyond what we experienced when we walk in this room. God, would you, would you pour out your peace fresh and new in our lives today? Would you repeat this prayer after me? Say, Jesus, I believe that you died. And when you died, you took all of my sin, you took all of my guilt, and you took all of my shame. Today, I call you my Lord, and I make you my Savior today. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, I believe that you can leave with such a peace in any situation, in any circumstance. I believe that God wants to send you out of this place with peace as ambassadors of his peace, but it first must be in you. And I believe God wants to give you a peace that passes your understanding. Even in the midst of the pain and with the surgery scheduled, would you leave this place with peace? Going to allow you to take these elements while we go into a song of worship. And I'm also going to invite the prayer team to come to the front. If you're in this place and you need prayer for anything, we don't want you to leave hurting. We don't want you to leave broken. So as the prayer team comes to our tables up in the front, you can absolutely, during this time of worship, you can come to these tables. You can ask for prayer. We would love to pray with you. But if you don't need that this morning, Would you contemplate what God has done in your life through the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ?